Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Warning. This episode of Guilt discusses the death of a child. Listener discretion is strongly advised. On the last episode of guilt at this stage they've given me no answers you know I don't know how my son got out there you know and, that, and, and, and 90% of gore or probably 99% of gore are in the same boat as me you know they don't know what to do you know it's easy for them you know they haven't lost their son they get on with their lives I can't it's a big, I've got nothing left apart from you know Caroline and that now and my job and that you know they all that taken away from me we walked out there the next day and in our sneakers and socks and we ended up with little cuts and little bites and you know on, on our ankles. So a little boy would have had some marks on his feet if he was said to have run that way. It just it just didn't add up, it didn't make sense. Kids in Zendawara, they weren't worried about it, you know. They obviously didn't like logging for a start. About every second time I went around this place, I told him my son was in danger. From Bravity Studios in New Zealand, I'm Ryan Wolf, and this is Guilt. Before we start episode three of season three, I just want to say a quick thank you for supporting this podcast and just remind you that Guilt is a 100% independent production. We've never received any taxpayer funding like other New Zealand news media. You can support us making more great content by subscribing via Apple Plus or Acast Plus for a small fee you'll get access to bonus content, early release, and ad-free listening. Plus, and this is the biggest thing, you'll be supporting the podcast and helping make future series of guilt possible. Thanks to all those who are already subscribers. Your support does not go unnoticed. If subscription isn't your thing, but you would love to support the podcast in another way, 
you can. You can make a one-off donation of any amount to say thanks. You'll find the link to support the show in the description of every episode. And of course, you can simply give the podcast a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you're listening and share it on your social media. And make sure you hit that follow button so that you're kept updated with every new episode. Whatever option you choose, it's massively appreciated. Now that's it from me. Let's get into it. Uh, I've just woken up. Still pitch black here, but man, crazy dreams all night just dreaming about this case. Yeah, so weird. I find that happens sometimes. Well, a lot of the time when I'm doing this is that my dreams just get totally taken over and it's weird because you know in some ways it's like I'm doing work in my sleep because I have these interviews with people that I haven't met yet but sometimes you know I ask questions in these interviews that I actually wake up and think about um yeah anyway um can't sleep so I'm gonna get up make myself a coffee and um yeah, the first interview. Since Paul's won, the first interview today is with um, the former mayor of, of Gore. And um, I think it's a great place to start. Um, yeah, so... I don't know. I just thought I'd make this short recording. Coffee, and then, um, yeah. Let's get into it as I like to say. In the first two episodes, we've heard from Lockie's father, Paul Jones, about the details of his experience in the days leading up to and the night of Lockie's death. And we will explore this much further in an upcoming episode, because there is so much more we need to discuss. But in this episode, I want to pivot slightly to another party in this tragic case. Aside from Lockie's parents, Paul and Michelle, there was another entity, not a person, that was potentially in the firing line. And this was the local Gore District Council, who owned and managed the oxidation ponds where Lockie was discovered. Because on the surface, if this is the case of a toddler simply wandering into the council-owned property, falling into the water and drowning, then surely someone is at fault. And according to WorkSafe New Zealand, someone was at fault. And that was the Gore District Council. WorkSafe New Zealand is a government agency responsible for workplace health and safety regulation in New Zealand. It was established in 2013 and it works to ensure that employers and workers take appropriate measures to prevent harm and promote safety in the workplace. WorkSafe New Zealand is responsible for enforcing health and safety legislation, and part of this is investigating incidents that occur at the workplace. 
and it was in March of 2020, a year after Lockie's death, that WorkSafe New Zealand would formally lay charges against the Gore District Council for its part in the January 2019 death for failing to design, install and maintain fencing to prevent children from accessing the ponds and to deter other members of the public from doing so. In this case, you would likely expect the council to plead guilty to these charges. It would be difficult to argue a case that the fencing was adequate when it hadn't prevented a three-year-old toddler from accessing the ponds. But in a move that surprised many, and more than likely WorkSafe, the Gore District Council pled not guilty. And their reasoning, that it was in their view that Lockie hadn't accessed the site on his own. They believed the evidence pointed towards the fact that there was a third party involved in Lockie's death. And as such, they couldn't be held responsible. When those sort of events happen in a community, um, usually the district commander of the police will ring you and tell you what's going on. And he did ring me, but I didn't get the phone call. It was through the night. And uh, I woke up to a message from him about that. So the first call I made uh, was to the chief executive, um, council chief executive, just to make sure he was aware of it, and he wasn't. Um, So, yeah, that was the first knowledge. At the time of Lockie's death and the subsequent WorkSafe charges, the mayor of Gore was the six-time incumbent Tracy Hicks. Tracy's incredible run came to an end in late 2022, when he lost the election by only eight votes, making 23-year-old Ben Brown the youngest mayor in New Zealand. I sit down with Tracy in his beautiful rural home in Gore. Tracy pours a couple coffees, and we admire the stunning views over the town before sitting at his dining table to discuss Lockie's case. I ask Tracy about the effect this tragic event had on the community. Um, what was the immediate, you know, obviously a young boy like that, the effect on the community? I mean, it's because what's oh, the population shot. here? Quite yeah, about, about 9,000 in the town. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it was shot and horror, really. You know, those ponds have been there for a long time. They were built in the early 70s, um, and they've had the same level and degree of protection they had all the time. Um, I guess something that uh, is happening right across New Zealand now is uh, there was a lot of ponds built at the same time. They all had seven wire fences around them, and they were quite away from population. Well, the population has become a lot closer, uh, and, and I think that it is you know, right and proper that there is better fencing now than the, there was then. So the, there's been a learning, uh, a nationwide learning from, from this particular drowning, yeah. uh, or this particular death, as uh, uncertain as it is. An oxidation pond is one of the stages of the treatment process of wastewater, effectively sewage. These ponds can be large, as in the ones in Gore, which combined measure approximately 800 metres by 250 metres. The depths of the ponds can vary, but on average are not deep, normally around 2 metres. If you're interested in further detail about oxidation ponds and what they are, I was given a tour of an oxidation pond in Waiuku in Season 2 of Guilt, and we discussed how the ponds operate in detail, 
You'll find that in Season 2, Episode 12, Water. I asked Tracy if these particular ponds in Gore had, in his knowledge, been subject to any other incidents in the past. Had there ever been, in, in, in your knowledge, any other incidents out of the past? We, the council, um, certainly the, the members of the council and um, the executive of the council had had no knowledge at all that there had been anybody um, mucking around at the ponds or in the ponds or, um, you know, the only, the only thing that may have happened over the years is that adjacent to the ponds were, were, is the, uh, or was, the dog pound. <clears throat> so um, you know, I, I think, and you'd probably need to confirm this with the chief executive, but my understanding is that there had been occasions where disgruntled dog owners had tried to break their dogs out of the pound. Right. Um, and to do that, they would have had to go over a fence somewhere along the line. Okay. But other than that, nothing. Yeah. yeah. And the ponds themselves, so you're saying, you know, and I can imagine that sort of... Two ponds? Yeah, yeah. So, and I, and like you said, sort of urban sprawl over the years has sort of just brought the population closer. Yeah. But there still is, there. you know, it's not like there's a house right next no, door to no, it. No, 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 no. There's quite a separation. And there is farmland right around. Even Matara River runs alongside it. Um, they've got the bank of the river on one side and, um, and farmland everywhere else. Urban sprawl over time has meant that residential housing has moved closer to the ponds, but the nearest home is still 185 metres from the edge of the northernmost pond. And while this may not sound like a great distance, it is across farmland and fences or down a gravel road. And to be honest, when you're there in person... They're actually not obvious. A lot has been made in this case about the nature of the ground Lockie would have had to cover to arrive at the location he was found. I asked Tracy about this. You know, I know it wouldn't have been your area, but were you sort of familiar with how it was kept out there in terms of the grass level and mm. was stock kept out there or anything like that? Yeah, um, was, the grazing was lit. Uh, it was, yuck, it was reasonably tidy. It was kept tidy to the same sort of level that um, the farmer would keep it. Yep. Um, although I must say that um, later in the, might have been a couple of weeks later, uh, I had an approach from the local Runanga to go with them down to the spot where he was found, to, um, just to do a blessing and a cleansing and whatever there. And, and while he could drive about halfway down, um, he couldn't drive the full way and the uh, the walk from the end of the paved road, or the track, um, was quite difficult, particularly for an older person. Um, yeah. These these ones were. Um, so it did make me. It did cross my mind at the time. I thought, oh, this is a long way for a for a young boy to have um, made his way down here." Are we talking sort of sort of sort of that long dry uh, grass sort of knee high? Yeah. Yeah. With thistles and yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, that's since changed. So that has been um, developed more since since that time. And the um, at the time, so when they make reference to a cyclone gate, what are they referencing there? Okay, so it's a steel farm gate, um, a um, a pipe frame with netting across it. So there was a cyclone gate, and then beside that was sort of a wooden, yeah, just a standard kind of wooden fence. Uh, no, there was a 
it was a, um, a seven wire fence. Okay. But between the gate and um, the, the, the strainer for the fence, there was a, a panel that was probably about that wide, I guess, uh, and the same height as the fence. Yeah. That was made out of wood. Okay. So it worked safe. Mm. Um, take the council to court. At what point do they sort of make an indication to you that that they're investigating this? In terms of time, I can't tell you. Um, just not sure. It seemed to be sometime after the event. They were there on the day. Yeah. It was, and it was reported by the council to, to WorkSafe. Um, they were there on the day and they made some recommendations about improving the fencing, um, which the council enacted um, quite quickly uh, at, a, at a, pretty reason, a pretty substantial cost as well. Yeah. Um, so what's there now is essentially deer fencing, which is about as high as those doors, I guess. Yeah. Um, in some people's view, that's more of a challenge to young people to climb over, because you can climb over that quite easily, mm-hmm. um, than the, the fencing was there. But anyway, I think the, the point has been made, and, and all councils have picked up on it, that these ponds are potential traps, and we need to be much more vigilant than... Um, well, not so much vigilant as we need to have the right protection in place um, yeah. for today's society. And then, so, at this point, WorkSafe, they um, start this case, and but the council, you decided to, to fight this at the time. Hmm. And, and what was the reasoning behind that? Um, I guess as time went on, uh, there was a lot of questions in the community uh, about whether this was a drowning or was it something else? Was there some foul play involved in that? And the more time went on, um, the more the council wanted to have some proof that this indeed was a drowning and it was... um, you know, misadventure as opposed to foul means. Yeah. Foul practice. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and we did we we pushed back on that quite quite hard. Yeah. For quite some time. And, and the lawyer that took that case on, how did he feel in terms of how the strength of your case at that time? He, he gave us indications that uh, he thought it was sound. Yeah. There was reasonable doubt there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think there still is. When the, when the pathologists say they can't say this mad boy drowned, mm. then it does pose a whole lot of questions. A pathologist's role when a death occurs is to perform a post-mortem examination, an autopsy, on the deceased person to determine the cause of death. The examination involves a thorough examination of the body, including the organs, tissues and bodily fluids, to identify any injuries, diseases or abnormalities that may have contributed to the death. Lockie's pathology report is going to play a crucial role in the examination of this case and his possible cause of death. And we'll be looking at this in further detail in an upcoming episode. But what I'll say right now is that there have been not one, but two separate pathology reports. And the determination is far from certain that drowning was the cause of Lockie's death. And it was due to this uncertainty that the council felt confident that they had a strong defence. 
and had spent almost two years building a case. So then it was with some shock that it was announced in December 2022 that the Gore District Council was pleading guilty, albeit to a now reduced charge. The initial charge made by WorkSafe was failure to perform a duty which resulted in a serious risk of death. However, this charge had now been reduced to one of only failure to perform a duty. And it seems this lesser charge was one the council felt comfortable accepting. I just want to reiterate here that Tracy is no longer in office and as such cannot speak on behalf of the council, but is offering his experienced opinion on the situation. So in the end, though, only recently, um, and I know that you're not, you're not in now, but the, um, you could comment on it. The councillor obviously pled guilty to a lesser charge. Yeah. So the charge changed quite substantially, and um, and council uh, of the day uh, decided to um, to agree to that and accepted it. I'm only speculating here, but I think there's still a lot of doubt in people's mind about. cause of death. There's no doubt that behind closed doors there would have been a level of negotiation between the Gore District Council and WorkSafe. And we can only speculate as to the reason behind the reduction of the charge. But if we read between the lines, it would seem that WorkSafe may have come to the conclusion that the balance of evidence in the case wasn't sufficient to get the charge of a serious risk of death over the line. I reached out to Rachel Woods, who represented WorkSafe, for comment, and was advised that neither she nor WorkSafe wished to comment on this case as a coronial inquiry is still to come. However, they did direct me to their official public response, which reads as follows. Some sections unrelated to this case have been removed for time. Since 2013, ponds, dams and water bores have claimed the lives of 16 people across New Zealand. Five of those were workplace fatalities, mostly on farms. However, one victim was three-year-old Lachlan Jones, who was found in a Gore District Council wastewater pond. The council has been sentenced for its part in the January 2019 death for failing to design, install and maintain fencing to prevent children from accessing the ponds and to deter other members of the public from doing so. Lachlan's death is a tragedy, and all of our thoughts are with his family. Although this occurred on council property, there are lessons for all businesses and organisations to heed, says WorkSafe's Head of Specialist Interventions, Dr Catherine Gardner. Tragically, Lachlan Jones is not alone in this grim tally. Half of these victims were children, which is eight young lives lost that could have been prevented, says Water Safety New Zealand spokesperson Gavin Walker. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. On the 6th of March, 2023, Chief Executive Stephen Perry also released a statement on behalf of Gore District Council. On behalf of the council, I want to express our sincere sorrow and apologise unreservedly to Lachlan Jones's family for this tragic accident. As a parent myself, the loss of a child is beyond comprehension and awful to imagine. I feel deeply for Lachlan's parents. This has been a truly significant event for the council and a haunting experience for our staff. We have carefully reviewed the circumstances leading up to the tragic discovery of Lachlan in the pond. As a result, we have renewed and strengthened fencing around all three of our ponds. I appreciate this may be of little comfort for Lachlan's parents and can only offer our deepest remorse and sympathy to them. The council will not be making any further comment as the case is still before the coroner. Make of this what you will, but there has clearly been a U-turn by both WorkSafe and the council. The result of this case was a fine of $110,000, which was to be split between Lockie's parents, Paul and Michelle, and $19,000 in costs awarded to WorkSafe. As part of the court sentencing, Paul Jones was invited to make a victim impact statement in which he emphasised that he did not blame the council for his son's death. His statement was as follows. It is my view that the fencing and gates at the Gore Council oxidation ponds had no bearing on the death of my son, and the council are in no part responsible. Lockie's death affects me every moment of every day. On top of this is the extraordinary distress associated with my quest to find the truth about the death of my son. The circumstances of what I consider to be two substandard police investigations have led to incorrect conclusions pertaining to my son's death. Because of this, and the battle I face trying to find out the truth, I have not been able to move ahead and begin, let alone go through, the normal process of grieving. During the process of the WorkSafe case, Paul Jones and the local council have found in each other a kind of unofficial alliance of sorts. At one point speaking to Paul, he'd told me that Tracy had shook his hand and told him they'll do everything they can to try and find an answer for Paul about exactly what happened to his son. I asked Tracy if he remembers this. I've had quite a few conversations with Paul and and I'm not sure how much uh, connection you've had with Paul, but you know, he can be up and down, but yeah. uh, he's pretty passionate and understandably, absolutely. Um, from a council perspective, we... We did support him along the way, uh, just to make sure that we're exploring every avenue uh, that uh, that possibly is. Um, so, look, I've got huge sympathy for him, and I think that, in my mind, the police could have done a better job here. I think they know that. Um, I'm not sure what can be done further now, how much evidence is still accessible or available, I don't know. Mm. Um, But it would be good to see that explored. Yeah. 
and it'll be very interesting to see what the, the coroner's ruling mm. comes back as. And Paul's had some really good support from yeah. from people around him, which yeah. is, is great. It must be a hell of a time, or a hell of a thing to happen. And look, fortunately I've never been in that situation, but I, you know, I just... I can imagine what it's like, and uh, it wouldn't be easy. It's never ever going to be easy, actually. I don't think you ever get over it. As time goes on, my feelings are that drowning is probably something that, well, it can't be ruled out at this stage. Um, There needs to be work done on the other possibilities um, so that we can get some, as a community and uh, as a family, the Joneses can get some finality to this whole thing. Do you think the police could be a bit more transparent with with what they've done? I guess the police have got a job to do, and they do it the way they do it, and it's it's done um, not in secret, but it's done uh, confidentially. Um, and I've got no problem with that. However, it's, this has gone on for a long time now. It's been investigated twice, and we really don't know what they've come up with. Mm. Um, why? Okay, so I am on location in Gore. I'm driving down Salford Street. Uh, Now this is the street of the house that Lockie went missing from my first time down here so I'm going to come down here I'm going to park up and then I'm going to walk so I'm going to find the address I'm pretty sure it's around here somewhere okay so let's go for a walk I pull over on the side of Salford Street next to Lockie's mother's home I hop out and begin to follow the path that Lockie apparently took to reach the ponds. If the police's theory is correct, he walked 280 metres down Salford Street to the intersection with Grasslands Road, where he would have turned right and walked another 250 metres to the first oxidation pond, climbing the fence along the way. From here, he somehow continued another 700 metres through the long grass and thistles to where he was eventually found. The first thing I want to do is make this walk myself to get my initial reaction and I'm genuinely interested to see what that might be. During this segment, I've edited out the longer sequences where I'm just walking. Okay, so first thoughts, it just appears to be a um, pretty sort of standard residential street, houses down one side. And down the other side, we've sort of just got, you know, trees and bits and pieces. Um, But certainly walking down the street here, there's nothing that would make you think there's any large ponds nearby. Right, so I'm coming up now to the intersection with Salford and Grasslands Road. Okay, so let's see what we're looking at here. Wow, okay, if this is the spot that he walked, holy shit, that's a long way. 
mean, I'm turned now and I'm looking down grasslands. Oh no. Gee, what street is this? Grasslands might be the other side. But anyway, I'm looking down towards the oxidation ponds and the asphalt extends for a couple hundred metres and then it turns into a loose metal road. But I mean, we're talking, geez, it's a long way down there. I mean, it's probably 500 metres to where I can see there's a, a building and a fence further down. I mean, this is far different, far further than what I expected. Oh, actually, okay, so the first pond starts up here. Okay, I'm coming now to the, um, to a, a gate which is currently open, a large gate which looks new. I'm assuming this is something that was installed relatively recently. Right, okay, so this gate here is Gore Wastewater Treatment Plant, no unauthorised access. I mean, the gate's wide open. But I mean, my first impressions here, the first time I've been here, it's just doesn't, it does not make much sense that a three-year-old in bare feet would walk all the way down here. Alright, just from the spot that I was to the end of this entrance to the ponds, 530 metres. And from where I was, Lockie was found a few hundred metres further on than that. And the house that he ran from is a few hundred metres back this way. So the total distance is about 1.2 kilometres. It's truly, truly bizarre. And I'll add as well that the street that Lockie's on, Selford Street, if you follow it straight down and you don't turn off to the ponds, straight ahead, only a few hundred metres from the intersection, is the river, the Matara River. You know, I mean, of course, a question that you would have to ask would be if it was foul play and you were trying to get rid of a body, would you not just put it in the river, which is much easier to access, right there, and then the body would be gone. This river flows quite, quite fast. Although, a body in a river could be found quite quickly. Even though Lockie, in the end, he was found quite quickly. I mean, I don't know, it's... <sighs> You know, my first feeling here is just, it's just such a long way. It really is such a long way. Okay. Uh, I think at this point now it's time to go back and um, regroup a bit. I was able to walk within about 500 metres of the spot Lockie was found. And the overwhelming feeling I had was how and why. Now, the question of why... We are talking about a three-and-a-half-year-old boy. And I couldn't begin to understand how a child's mind works. But the fact that simply getting here is so difficult, 
especially for a toddler, what could the why have been? I'll be honest. Before I'd got to the site, there was a big part of me that thought, what's the bet I'll get here? And my gut reaction will be that he probably did walk all this way. And although at this stage, I can't say that he didn't, because I don't know that. But my gut reaction is that it seems highly suspicious. Hearing distances like this, 250 meters, 500 meters, 1.2 kilometers, it can seem quite abstract without visuals to connect it to. And because I know how important it is to see it in person, I brought a little friend of mine to help you understand that a little bit better. I affectionately call her Dory. She's grey and fits in the palm of my hand. Okay, so I'm on site on Salford Street with the drone. So I'm going to put the drone up and the drone, I'm going to run it on the path that Lockie is supposed to have taken from his house all the way down Salford Street and all the way down to the oxidation ponds. So if you want to see that, you can check it out on my Instagram at RyanWolfNZ or our Facebook page, Brevity Studios NZ. But yeah, let's, um, let's get this girl up. Guilt is a Brevity Studios production. Written, produced, and narrated by me, Ryan Wolfe. All opinions expressed in this podcast are exactly that, opinions, and are not a statement of fact by the podcast itself. All persons named are presumed innocent unless proven otherwise in a court of law. You'll find a detailed video showing the proposed path Lockheed walked on my Instagram, RyanWolfNZ, or our Facebook page, Brevity Studios NZ. I highly recommend you join the discussion with hundreds of other Guilt listeners on Facebook at the Guilt Podcast Discussion Group. Guilt is a 100% independent production. Unlike other New Zealand podcasts, we've never received a single dollar in taxpayer funding. And you can support us to continue to make great content, plus ad-free listening, bonus episodes, early release, by becoming a Brevity Plus subscriber on Apple or Acast Plus. You'll find the details in the show notes of every episode. On the next episode of Guilt. Oh yeah, there was two of them in there. They were, but they weren't drinking whiskey. They were drinking something else. But they didn't stay very long. And they went just before me. And I thought, oh, there's something funny going on here, really. Like the the kids didn't seem to worry. They weren't worried about it, you know. They obviously didn't like. Lobby for a starter. Um, well, that's my way of looking at it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.